Welcome to Church in the Wild. My name is Seth Trimmer, and today I am excited to introduce you to one of my very good friends, Billy Lyle. Billy is from Hawaii. He serves currently as an executive pastor at Pearlside Church near Honolulu uh, on the island of Oahu, and he has served for several years in campus ministry. In fact, he even serves on a regional team serving the Every Nation Campus world. He and I have been friends for several years, have learned and taught in similar environments, and he and I have really grown together in several ways and walked very, very similar past, but today he's going to be able to share with you a little bit more about the journey he's been on over the past couple of years, in particular with his son. He's one of the fathers I really look up to and admire when I see him interact with his kids, and I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear this conversation. All right, here we are. I'm in studio, so to speak, with my boy, Billy Lyle. What's up, Billy? How's it going, man? Going really well. Billy and I are hanging out together in the very gray Portland, Oregon. Oh, man, it's gray, it's cold, it's wet. Yeah, Billy, what are your thoughts about Oregon weather so far? This is your first time, like, experiencing, like, an Oregon winter. Um, it's, it's challenging, I'll say that. Um, I'm used to hot and humid, and now it's cold and rainy. Exactly so. how many jackets did you bring here, Billy? You know, I brought four. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a I have a, <laughs> a hoodie just in case, too. Yeah, and for yeah. the record, I think it's been in the 50s, you know? Yeah. I think 50s. I yeah. don't know if it's dipped in maybe upper 40s. I've gone to three jacket level. Haven't gone to four yet. So. Not DEFCON 4? No, DEFCON 3 only. Yeah, well, it's been very gray, very drizzly, very normal Northwest, so we're just welcoming you with open arms. Um, but I feel like it's just payback because the last few times that uh, Billy has brought me out to Hawaii, it's been like 98 degrees with like 98% <laughs> humidity, like sweating in your bed sheets at night. Yeah, and, stuff. and I did make you sleep in probably the hottest room you did. Uh, that we had available and purposely rigged the air conditioning not to work. Yeah. Oh, so. was, that a, was that a bedroom? I thought that was a sauna. <laughs> oh, my bad. Yeah. No, yeah, that was hot. That was bad. That, that was, was really bad. hot. Um, Billy and I are here in Portland. We're actually going to school together. That's right, man. Yeah. So this is our first week of school. We're getting our doctoral degrees here and in a really cool program through Multnomah Seminary. And so we're just getting that launched and started. We get to spend a week together and thought there's been a lot of cool things that we've been learning in seminary. And there's been a lot of cool just time we get to hang out and yeah, sharing stories with each other and kind of get to know each other a little bit better. And there was something, Billy, that you shared your story today in class for a little bit, and I knew about the story. I mean, I had heard it before. I hadn't heard it in quite the depth that you had told it, but it's something that is just so, I mean, every now and again, you get one of those stories that's so compelling. Yeah. It's so raw, and it's so real, and it goes in line with, I think, people just experience on all kinds of level, even mm -hmm. if not the specific details of, that I just felt like this is a story worth processing. I know for you and I, we're both pastors, yeah. and we work with a lot of people that go through a lot of things, a lot of pain, a lot of issues, uh, a lot of things that aren't necessarily their fault. Mm -hmm. And walking people through that kind of stuff um, is, is, is tough enough. Yeah. And I feel like your story has so many redemptive elements that I thought it was worth talking about. So why don't, if you could just help paint the scene um, and kind of give us kind of the origins of you know you and your family and your son and kind of where that journey all began so it's kind of like the horror movie in the first 15 minutes when everything was like beautiful and perfect right, and everything right. was fine before eventually something fell apart right but set, set the set the scene for us yeah man well my wife and i got married uh, when we were relatively young i was 25 she's 23 um you know she's pastor's daughter so i married not just my pastor's daughter but my boss's daughter 
Way to go. Anyway, that's like a whole nother podcast we can do. It on is that. a whole nother <laughs> podcast. And I do plan on interviewing your father-in-law for that matter. So I can get his perspective. So you talk as much trash as you want. Um, uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we'll <laughs> hold off on that then because uh, he can punch back pretty good. <laughs> he can so punch back. We'll, we'll stay away from that. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, you know, we got married, had our first child uh, and when I was 29. And, uh, you know, things were going good and uh, things were looking up. We we're excited about it. Um, we we're excited to ha- have a son. Yeah. And uh, right around when he was two months old, uh, Pastor Jim LaFoon, who is, you know, one of uh, America's renowned prophetic voices mm-hmm. comes through and yeah. he's been through and our a good church. friend and mentor mentor to both of oh, us yeah, for a lot man. of years and yeah. and he you know he's been coming through our church for many years prophesying over a lot of people and just being amazingly accurate on so many ways and so you know he prophesies over our son two months old and i actually have a picture and i have the recording of it we're in a restaurant and uh you know he says you know a lot of a lot of really great things and, and in the middle of the prophetic word he says um you know when your son is between the age of two and five he's going to have a medical crisis or health crisis um, that's going to scare you. And I'm letting you know this now uh, so that when it happens, you know, you won't be caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't want you to be afraid of it. You know, I want you to know God's already taking care of it, but it is going to be scary and difficult. And so I remember it's the first time I ever heard a prophetic word like that. So I was kind of... Usually they don't sound like that. No, usually it's, you know, God loves you. He sees you. He knows you. And, you know, some other things about your life and your future that are... I mean, that's actually helpful context. You know, I would imagine for a good number of people even listening in, you know, for some people, the idea of a prophetic word is very normal, based maybe based on the church tradition they've Mm -hmm. come out of or type of church they've gone to. For some people, that's incredibly foreign. And we have a lot of people even at Grace City and Corvallis that... When they start coming to Gray City, that's a brand new introduction to their sure. life. Yeah. So, yeah, like a typical kind of prophetic moment. It's typically just an encouragement moment, encouragement, right? Yeah. yeah. Some some stuff about your past. Just to inside let you know of, that, yeah, God inside about you. who you are and your past, and and maybe some positive, just kind of encouragement about your future when you're going. And it's it's uh, it's general enough that you know it's it's not necessarily the booming voice of God speaking with mm-hmm. incredible... Sp- it is through another human being that mm-hmm. might not be hearing perfectly, but there's always just enough of information and there's always just enough of intimacy of what's being said to really know that it's resonating beyond just a general level for that specific right. person. But you rarely hear anything of like, God saw what you did last night. <laughs> no. Like, he's he's mad. You know? <laughs> I used to be afraid of that, by the way. Yeah, but, uh, judgment never kind of that. stuff. You know, it's not yeah. like Old Testament prophet no. kind of stuff. Yeah. It, so anyway, this is this is actually relatively unique. Mm-hmm. And for Pastor Jim to even say something, you know he's hearing this. Right. He's not, he wouldn't make this up, no. you know. And I've heard him prophesy literally. I'm not, I'm not making this up over hundreds of people in our right. church. And never heard anything so specific nor time stamp the way that he time stamped it between the age of two and five. And so I was, yeah. you know, when my wife and I were driving home, like, what does that even yeah, mean? Yeah, what are you supposed to do with this? Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, we got about a year and a half to, you know, figure this out. Maybe nothing will happen because he prayed and, you know. Okay, so he yet. said between the ages of two and five. Right. And he was two months. Two months. Time. Okay, yeah. so you, well, that's almost going to drive you even more crazy. Like. It did. And so, we, you know, we decided we're not going to worry about it. He said, don't worry about it. God's taking care of it, you know. So we, we, we chose to just kind of put that on the side yeah. and just trust the Lord in it. Um, 
And, and you know, to be completely honest, I, I, even though I, I grew up with a tr- in the tradition of believing in the prophetic, there's, there's always that little seed of doubt, you know, in the back of your mind. Yep. No, I'm with and, you on that. And uh, even though I know Pastor Jim's a good man, and I believe, you know, his words are, you know, as, as sincere and genuine as a person could possibly be, um, there's always that little seed of doubt in the back of my mind. So I kind of thought, you know, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe nothing will come of this. Maybe, you know, anyway, long story short, um, it wasn't long after his second birthday that uh, truthfully, it felt like all hell broke loose mm. in his health. Um, without going into too many details, uh, he he broke out into rashes all over his body. Remember that, yeah. And uh, would itch constantly throughout the day. Um, and, and the worst part was throughout the night. Uh, he'd scratch himself, literally bloody. I mean, all of the bed sheets that we had for him had blood all over them because he'd scratch himself all night long. And so we tried, you know, first of all, we saw medical doctors and, um, you know, their suggestions didn't work. Their remedies didn't work. Actually, some of them actually made it worse. Uh, really? So we, yeah. So we saw, went to holistic doctors, you know, we, we saw a whole bunch of different. Just trying everything. We, at that tr- point. we wanted to figure out anything. We tried anything to make it go away. But your first child, he's two years old. Yeah. I mean, that's just a recipe for near panic level i would imagine yeah I mean, and we just and we just had a baby too so oh our, our, our daughter was born she was a she was an infant at the time and so you know it really felt like all hell was breaking loose in our life because the the, the hardest part about it was he he couldn't sleep oh, and man. so he would itch himself uh during the day he was he was bearable because you need to be distracted watching tv or doing some activity um or we'd be playing with him and so he'd scratch but then we just distract him but you know at night when you're trying to lie down oh and go to sleep you feel everything and yeah. so it was just i mean he'd cry he would scream and the only way that he would be comforted is if myself primarily or my wife would literally be holding him you know rubbing him constantly trying to make at, itch at night away. when he's trying to sleep oh yeah about? yeah all, all throughout the night so yeah. the hardest part of our day was between eight o'clock at night when we put him down and seven o'clock the next morning when he'd wake up and we could distract him again so literally between eight and seven uh it's like around the clock someone's with him carrying him holding him my wife and i would tag team ta- literally tag in okay your turn so i i can get some sleep and then an hour later, I'd wake up and switch out with her. And it was just constant throughout the night. And so, you know, when you're rubbing him and holding him, maybe he'd fall asleep for maybe an hour and then wake up itching again. And then, then we'd have to rush back in. And some people ask me, what was that like? It, it was like having an infant, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. newborn. Yeah, it's, it's not... Except worse. Because yeah. infants actually go back to they sleep. They do. And at least for a few hours at a pop. Yeah. You know? And so it was like that for about three years. It was like having three an infant years. for three years. I know there is instant groans. Anyone listening that has had kids before, yeah. you know, and usually you have, you know, at least a few months mm-hmm. of kids having a hard time sleeping. Sometimes it's extended yeah. and, you know, it can be up to a year, but nothing like this. Yeah. Three years. So describe what, I know there's all kinds of dimensions here, but how much sleep are you actually getting over the course of that three years? I mean, what does your sleep patterns actually look like? Well, a uh, typical night would maybe you'd sleep three hours broken up. Broken up, not broken even up. consistent. No, it was like an hour. For three years. Wake up. Yeah, well, so it started off like that. And so I realized my, my wife had to take a leave of absence from work. And so I, I was still, you know, doing ministry. So she took about a three-month leave of absence. And so she was a primary caretaker at night. So I could sleep and get up and work the next day. Um, and then I ended up talking to our, our, our pastor and uh, the board authorized me to have a kind of a flexible work schedule. Okay. So I'd be up, you know, my wife and I would both be up throughout the night and then I would take him. Um, then in the morning when he's up now, then I could sleep 
you know, for a more extended period of time, three or four hours or whatever, and then um, wow. go about my day. So it, it just took a lot of ingenuity <laughs> to work it out. Yeah, it was. It Praise was. Praise God, you even had that flexibility, though. There's no, a lot it was of jobs amazing. Where it really just, was. You'd just be incapacitated. No, it was. It was amazing. I mean, I, I thought about do I just resign and you know oh, man. go on some type of a. But anyway, that that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, it was, but it was to the point where. I remember, you know, in 2012, the Mayans thought the world was going to end. Um, I was looking forward to it. I was oh like, sweet, let's get this over with because oh this my. is just too much. You know, I literally, I remember I woke up uh, in the middle of the night on, I think it was de- December 12, 2012 or something like that. Checked my phone to see if Twitter had, you know, said the world's ending and not even an earthquake. And I was, <laughs> I was get bummed, a volcano? Man. I was I like, something? seriously, like, let's, let's, let's just get this over with because this is crazy. This is too hard, you know. And um, I remember when he started kindergarten, he turned five, uh, started kindergarten. Um, I used to, I used to wrap him with, you know, um, bandages and, you know, we put like, as much, you know, Vaseline and just, you know, creams to soothe him a little bit and wrap him with, um, ace bandage and send him to school. And by the time I pick him up, bandages are all off, bloodied up all over the oh, place. Man. And, and so, you know, and, and we told the school that the school was very gracious too. So they would try to, you know, help him in different things, but he would have a hard time throughout the day. But again, days were easier cause he's awake and he could, uh, distract himself but it got so bad that i ended up having to duct tape <laughs> the bandages on him no way so there's this one i have pictures of it actually he was duct taped from his wrists all the way up past his elbow and and on both arms and then his legs from his from his calves all the way down was duct taped and i remember when i was uh driving him to school he's sitting in the back seat in in his car seat and he's going I duct taped him so tight he couldn't move his arms. Oh, it, was, no. it was like a mummy. So he had his arms straight out. He's like, Daddy, how am I supposed to eat lunch? Oh, no. And I thought to myself, oh, man. well, son, you just got to work that in. You got to break it in, you know, and uh, it'll soften up by midday. And when I dropped him off at school, I thought for, I thought for sure, man, I'm going to get a call from Child Protective oh, Services man. today. They're going to take him away from me. Did it loosen know? up? Yeah, enough to eat. Enough you to know? eat. But at least it stayed on, and it protected his skin for a little while. Do but. you... Uh, s- Total side note, but do you remember the movie Christmas Story? Did you ever watch the Christmas Story? I think so. I don't know. That could be a total. Uh, my family was really into it. I don't know if that would be as much of a Hawaiian thing or not. Like, mm. But there's a Christmas Story. It's like this old classic Christmas movie and about you know these boys at Christmas and at winter time going off to school, and the little brother named Randy was always like suited up <laughs> right, in this yeah, jumpsuit yeah. so uh-huh. tight that he was just waddling like a starfish kind of yeah. down the street sort of a thing. So that, anyway, that's just what I have pictured in my mind. At least his arms are straight out. Yeah, you know? stiff as a board. And Yeah, it was hard. And um, How's he going to go to the bathroom? How's he going to... And, and the other thing you're, you're worried about too with your kid is, you know, what is this going to do to him psychologically? You know, I mean... You know, is he going to exactly. get teased for? In fact, yeah. you know, so, you know, it, it looked like he had like some kind of a disease when it wasn't, you know, communicable. It was just, it was sure. It was really just. A, it's not like kids are the most gracious and kind you know. with kids who are different than them. And so, you know, there are a couple yeah, times right. like I, I, I would drop him off and walk him in, and kids would be like, "Oh, what happened? You know, Micah, what, what's wrong with your arms? And what's, you know, what's mm-hmm. that? And you know, and so I was, you know, worried not only just for how's he going to live his life, but man, what's this going to do to him psychologically and mentally? You know, because I remember what it was like being a kid and just how scary that was and and I didn't have any kind of you know thing but the worst part I think the lowest point for both my wife and I was one night I I remember I was just carrying him and he couldn't sleep and now now I'm just exhausted you know um and I remember we both he finally fell asleep my wife and I both walked out of the room and we looked at each other and we both kind of said to each other somehow there's got to be somewhere we can take him you know there's got to be somebody who can take care of him because Mm -hmm. we just can't 
do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember when those words came out of my mouth, I broke down. I just started sobbing because of the thought of the f- that I can't even take care of my own kid. Yeah. You know, uh, I felt helpless and powerless and yeah. pathetic all at the same time. And you know, during that process, I was, you know, you pray, right? And you're saying, God, you know, first, first, my, my, in the first three months was God, take it away, take it away. Just make it go away. You know, yeah. I did every charismatic thing I knew to do, you know, oil and pray, lay hands, had people pray. Yeah. Um, and when that didn't work, then you start going to, okay, God, am I in sin? You know, is it, am I being punished or, you know, and you read the old Testament, right? Leprosy fell on them because yeah. they did that. And you're just like, man, what, okay. Am I being punished? Is this, is this God's judgment on me for yeah. something? And and then I kept praying, I'm like, okay, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I'm in your will, God. And if not, I'll change whatever you want me to change. I just yeah. don't know. Um, now, are you, yeah. are you caught, do you remember at this point the word that Pastor Jim had given? Or has, has that registered? That Yeah, the crazy thing is we didn't even remember that probably until after the first year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, and I don't know why, but yeah. I remember I, I don't, it didn't register to me. I yeah. just thought, okay, I don't know what's happening. Why is this happening? And then my wife actually reminded me this, this must be what Pastor Jim prophesied Oh my goodness! back when he was two months old. So we busted it out. We got our phones out where I had recorded it and we listened to it again and we just realized, oh my God, this is it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely scaring us. It happened exactly when he said it, it would happen. It happened exactly when he said it would happen. And I honestly don't know why it didn't register when it all started. Right. Well, you had that gap. That's what I'm saying. It was yeah. almost that false sense of, you know, right. it wasn't tomorrow. So, right. it, yeah. That had to be it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just, 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 just feeling helpless, feeling like God, feeling um, abandoned for a little while. I never got mad at God. I never thought about. Really? I, I never got mad at him. I was just more, it was more like me. Like, yeah. did I do something wrong? You right. know? Um, one of the things that really helped me during that period was I was, I was in seminary at Fuller, uh, Fuller seminary at the time. And, uh, we we're learning about how God shapes leaders through suffering. And, um, I was oh, reading geez. a, yeah. So taking like a uh, academic seminary course on something. It was and like a life application. Meanwhile, in your life, you know, please let me be the professor. It I, actually helped me though, because I was reading a book called Isolation written by one of our professors and just how, you know, God uses... Was that Clinton? No, it wasn't Clinton. It was somebody else, but the, Clinton's okay. books were in there, um, okay. J. Robert Clinton, but there was this other book and it just talked about how God uses the suffering of life and we walk through seasons of isolation where you feel like you're all alone, but how that forms something in you. So for the first six months or so, I was praying, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. And then once I realized that this could be something that God is using to, wants to use to shape me, I started praying, God, what are you trying to do? Instead of take it away, it's God, what are you trying to do through this? And I, and my wife and I even talked about, I said, honey, for a season, let's stop praying, God, make it go away and start praying, God, what are you trying to teach us? Because he's that's allowed a huge this, turning point. It really was, man. And 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 because uh, I, I said this, sir, I said, you know, if God has allowed this, obviously he's allowed this for a reason. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we learn everything that we can learn from this, and that God can do everything that He yeah. wants to do through this. Yeah. Because I do not want this pain to be wasted. And so we started praying that, and you know, I, I it it's hard to. Uh, grab when you hear someone else say it, <laughs> but I was there, you know, and in those late nights praying, God, what are you trying to teach me today? And that was actually my prayer in the middle of the night, 1am, 2am, 3am, sun's rising, 5.30, 6am, God, what do you want to teach me? And I never felt closer to God um, than I did in those moments. Wow. And it was like I could 
I never audibly heard his voice, but it was stuff that was just so clear that I would never say to myself. Mm. But I felt like God was saying to me, this like one you're, you're hearing God. You're feeling like you're hearing his yeah, voice. Yeah, this one example, Michael was finally fell asleep on me, and I was just like angry, frustrated. I was like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me today? Kind of with a little bit of an attitude. Sure, yeah. <laughs> what do you want to teach me today, God? Sure. And I remember I leaned my head back on the chair, and I, and I, and I just kind of had this thought, like, you need to forgive these people. And these names popped into my head. I said, what are you talking about? I forgave them years ago, yeah. God. I'm over and, that. And what does that have to do with this? Right. <laughs> but that's the thought that came to my mind. And I, yeah. saw, and, and I saw their face. I said, God, no, I forgave them. I'm, I'm past that. We did this years ago, right? And then I closed my eyes, and, I, and it's like he showed me a picture in my mind of these two guys walking towards me on the street. Mm-hmm. And I started getting angry in my spirit. And then God said, how do you feel now? I was oh. like, wow. And, and, I, and, I, and I literally, I was like, whoa. Good one, God. You know, I, I literally Whoa. said this out loud. Good one, God, because I realized I still have some, some resentment and anger towards yeah, these people. Still there. And and so I, you know, spent the rest of that night in particular repenting, you know, asking God to forgive me and my and, and just forgiving them again and st- stuff like that. There are so many moments like that. A lot that of little things like that. A lot of little things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of little situations. And I just got sensitized to hearing his voice because that's all I had in that moment is praying and letting God. Another, another moment, um, Mike had fallen asleep on me. And now he's a little bit older at this time, so he started getting heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was actually having a hard time breathing, but I didn't want to move because he finally fell asleep. You know? right. So I'm kind of like breathing really, really heavily. And I said, God, this sucks. <laughs> <sighs> I can't even breathe. And I said, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me tonight? And I literally had this thought in my head. When he, before he was born, I prayed, God, I want to always be close to my son. I want us to have a really close relationship. And I felt the Lord tell me that night, you asked me <laughs> that you would always be close to your son. This is making you close oh, right geez. now. And he's lying. His head is on my chest. And I, and I said, wow, God, thank you. You know, thank you that. And, you know, to this day, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty close. Um, but yeah, I can. You guys are very close, yeah, like in a really sweet way. <laughs> yeah. You're fun to watch as a dad. Really? Thanks. Um, but that was, but you know, so a lot of little moments like that. And I just really got close to hearing God's voice. And it was to a point where I know this sounds crazy that in the midst of the suffering, I was actually looking forward to what God would speak to me the next night, oh, man. you know, knowing it's going to be a long night, but God, what are you going to say to me tonight? I'm excited about this, you know? And, um, so that was a little bit of, little, little bit of the journey and it did make it easier. It made it easier yeah. to know that there was a purpose in the pain. Um, uh, would yeah. you, would you describe it as a purpose or an opportunity? A little bit of both. I mean, the verse, one of the verses that really helped me through that season was, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. We yep. know that in all things, God yep. works for the good. It doesn't say yep. that all things are good. No. There are certainly things that are bad, but even in the bad, the all things includes the bad, God will work. And that really helped me to frame the suffering and the trial and all of that. Okay, God, you're going to do something good out of this. And I just need to trust you and keep following you. Um, you know, another thing that really helped me through that season was <laughs> there's this one moment I remember I taking Micah to school and one of the ladies that work in the school comes to our church and knew Micah was going through some stuff, knew we were going mm-hmm. through some stuff. And she said, uh, she said she wanted me to meet up with this kid that she was connected to somehow. Long story short, this kid's brother had just died tragically in a hiking accident. And so she wanted me to I meet with her that. older brother yeah, I remember that. and minister to him. And my first thought was, I got my own problems, lady. <laughs> you know, like, you, don't, you know right. what I'm going through. Right. I, don't, I don't have the emotional energy yeah. at all to even help somebody else. And I didn't want to. Yeah, how many pastors can identify with that? God, like, I, I hope a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've I had hope so not, many moments where you yeah. get that email and you're like, you know what? 
Get in back of line. Like, and, <laughs> no, for I have some things I need to work out. And I was, take care of your stuff I was embarrassed to feel that way. Because I literally, when she told me that, I wanted to find how can I get out of this? Because mm. I don't want to. I don't have the emotional energy. And this is, a, this is a heavy deal. You want me to meet with a guy whose brother just died? But of course, you know, you pray and the Lord's like, no, you got to do it. You're a pastor. It's kind of what you signed up for. And I remember I sat down with this kid at Starbucks. And the first thing he said to me, literally, after we introduced ourselves, he said, hey, I heard about what's going on with your son. That must be really hard. And no. I almost lost, dude, I almost lost it. No. I'm like, I, I, in my mind thinking, you got to be kidding me. Your brother just died and you are identifying and feeling empathy for me. And Crazy. it was like the Lord said to me in that moment, there are people suffering a lot worse than you are right now. Yeah. And if you can find purpose in your pain, help them find purpose in theirs. Yeah. And this kid wasn't a Christian. And uh, but what was, was amazing was through my present pain, I was able to walk him to Christ in his pain. He ended up giving his life to the Lord that morning. And I remember I walked out of that Starbucks feeling like, wow, mm. God, you, you, you know what you're doing here. You yeah. Know? And I'm um, sorry for being so small minded about yeah. this. Um, and seeing God use me and our pain to help others uh, really motivated me even more. Um, another another story, I met a guy, uh, I was introduced to a guy who had really severe post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, spent three tours in Iraq, mm -hmm. saw some horrible things. And when I first met him, he couldn't even sit still, just, mm -hmm. you know, looking over his shoulder, yeah. you know, all yep. the yeah, PTSD I've seen, I've seen signs. Before, yeah. And as I was sitting there talking with him, I mean, long story short, over, over a period of months, I saw God heal him restore him, you know, and, and it was crazy was God was healing him physically, visibly, obviously of his PTSD. And I remember thinking, God, you're so amazing. Why don't you do that to me? When are you uh, going to heal my kid? Yeah, you know? Right. But yet seeing, um, what I was going through, being able to, him identifying with that and me identifying with him in our sufferings, mutual sufferings. Um, I was able to introduce more of the gospel to him and minister to him and, Anyway, just seeing stories like that of God using me in the midst of my pain to help somebody else um, brought even greater purpose and comfort in the midst of my own pain. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that, like, like me, I didn't want to do it, you know. Right. I wanted to stew in my pain and feel sorry for myself and just find some yeah. comfort. I want to feel sorry for you, like, <laughs> just even hearing this story. Now, how much of an actual battle is that? Because... You know, you, you mentioned this like, hey, God, you're doing all this cool stuff for all these other people that I'm ministering to. to. I have this ability to even minister to them because of the story. But then through my story, they're actually getting. Yeah. When am I going to get the help? Yeah. You know? what yeah. Like, I mean, how much is that like? Or do you have a perspective in that moment that's just getting you past that? Or it's, it's kind of sailing at a higher elevation to get you through? Or is that an actual thing that you're wrestling with. No, I was wrestling with it. Yeah. Um, kind of got a little frustrated. Maybe I did get a little angry with God because at one point there, yeah. I said, like, God, you can clearly yeah. do amazing That's miracles. Right. You can clearly change a person's heart, heal their brain. I mean, I saw it happen, you know, several times during that season. And I'm like, God, why aren't you healing my son? And so I did get a little bit upset, but then I kind of realized, okay, if you're not, you can do this, but you're not. So there's still a reason. There's something you're going not on done. here. Yeah. It's you're bigger. not done. Yeah. And, um, I had to, uh, that, that, that also helped frame it, but you got to get past those emotional moments that I think are totally natural. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, one, one huge point I wanted to make though, is that, you know, a lot of times we want to get our lives healed and whole and right before we help somebody else. Um, 
I, I understand that, but that's, I think, it, missing the point that I think God wants us to minister and help others in the midst of our pain, mm. not wait till we're on the other side of it. I think as we have a godly perspective on it, a redemptive perspective on it, already we can begin to help other people, even though we haven't fully come through it, you know, so... I'm glad that, you know, yeah. I, I was sort of forced to do that. Yeah. I might have missed something, you know, without it. Yeah, there's definitely something, too. I mean, you and I both know this by experience, but there's, you, know, you can have all the expertise and wisdom, intelligence, gifting in the world, but there's nothing like your weakness, your pain, yeah. your suffering. It's the leaders that walk with a limp yeah. that are more quickly trusted and make a greater impact quicker in someone's life. No, that's true. I mean, of all the people I, I've ministered to, I don't think that anyone has, no one's ever asked me, how many seminary degrees do you have? You know, totally. <laughs> um, let me, can I see some certificates that prove that you should be sitting here? But they want to hear about how we suffered. And in the moment you share how you've suffered and how God's brought you through it or how yeah. he's getting you through it, I think people can identify more with that. And, yeah. uh, and I they, think they want to know what's real. They want to hear realness. Yeah. And, and, and is there even hope in the midst of that? Yeah. And, the fact that I was able to say, I know God's going to get us through this, which I did, um, I think gave, gave, gave some hope to some people. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, so that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the gist of that moment. Um, but th here's the other crazy thing was it all kind of coincided with this season in our church where we entered a building campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, we were moving into a building, raise, trying to raise $6 million at the time. And we started this building campaign in February of 2012, and that was right when my son's infirmity started. Mm -hmm. Fast forward now to 2015. So we're coming up to, he, he's five years old now, about to turn six, and we're listening. I, I was listening to Prophetic Word almost every single night. I mean, Pastor Jim came out. Oh, you had on recording. I had on recording. Okay. He, he prophesied over him a couple more times and um, prayed over him. And, 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 you know, anyway, long story short, we're coming up to his sixth birthday, and I'm having a mixed emotions about, okay, is this the breakthrough? You know, is it coming? Is it yeah. this year? Because he's no longer going to be five. Um, but then at the same time, a little bit of anxiety that what if he doesn't get better? You know, right. what if the prophetic word is a lie, you know, and, and all this kind of thing. So at the end of these mixed emotions, but I, I got to tell you, it, it was insane because he just, he was about to turn six. And on his sixth birthday was actually the day that we could finally move into our new building. We didn't script that March 8th, 2015. That was when the city gave us our building permit and yeah. we could finally move in fully. Yeah. And we had our first full Sunday services on my son's sixth birthday. And it was not soon after that that he started getting better. Wow. It was, it was literally out of nowhere. I remember we went to bed one night, put him down, and I fully expected to be getting up yeah. and running in there like we do every single Same night. Same routine. And we woke up in the morning, the sun rose. My wife and I looked at each other and said, did you get him last night? No. Did you get him last mm -hmm. night? No. And I literally said out loud, oh, my God, he slept through the night. And I told her, whatever we did yesterday, yes. we're going to do exactly Copy, today. Paste. Exactly. Copy, like Groundhog paste. Day, man. I want the exact <laughs> same thing. And, and, and you know what? I, I expected that the night, next night we'd go back to the, the past three right. years. But he slept through the night the next night. And then the next night, and then the next night, and and now it's been what three, four years later. Wait, what year is this? I don't even know anymore. Two, three years We're later. Two thousand eighteen now. Uh, yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, uh, thereabouts. Anyway, he slept through the night. You know, every single night. I mean, save for you know, wetting his bed a couple times, but normal kid stuff. He's been sleeping through the night, and and he's gotten better. And I can't honestly think of what we did differently 
other than God said it's going to end at a certain time, and it ended. He gave you time span, and it was that was it. And it was it was it was insane. I mean, if I didn't live through it, I would have a hard time believing this story. Yep. But it was. It if was I insane. wasn't a good friend with you and know how cynical you are, <laughs> not cynical, but you know, skeptical yeah, in a healthy yeah, way yeah, with this yeah. stuff, like that. I know you're, you're in, wrong. and you believe in this stuff, but you're not. You're not that guy that's no. just gonna. Be quick to believe anything he can ever hear. I think no. you're going to be just the opposite, quick to investigate. Yeah, and maybe yeah. maybe God needed to, you know, give us a very visceral example yeah. um, to hang our hats on. But yeah, it was it was crazy. And and looking back on it now, and seeing all that God did in me, just personally as a as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a leader, um, as much as I would hate to ever go through something like that again. Yeah, I mean, there were some lessons that. There's no way I would have learned any other way. And in some sick, you know, uh, not sick, but in some redemptive ways, I'm thankful, you know? And, but you know, one of the things that is so amazing was, you know, I would hear people say when they go through hard times, you know, I know God was there. I felt his presence and, you know, okay. Cynical. Yes. I would would think really, you know, what is that really like? It's what you're telling yourself to kind of comfort and get yourself through and, yeah. But you know what? Like through that season, I f- really felt and experienced that God was there because I don't know how I got through that. I don't yeah. know how we got through that, my yeah. wife and I, but God was there in the dark nights watching the sunrise. I can't even count how many times. And but God was there and he got us through it and um, gives me a lot of confidence now that God will get us through whatever we get through. Mm. Um or whatever we have to, if we just hang in there, you know, uh, that, the, the scripture that says, you know, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I believe that, you know, David prayed, you know, I, I'm convinced that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not that things always turn out exactly the way that we want it to. And, you know, it's, it's white picket fences and roses all day long. It's yeah. going to be hard. And sometimes things happen. We live in a fallen world, but we will experience the goodness of God yeah. in the land of the living and in, in eternity. Yeah, You know, for a season I was thinking, man, maybe life's just always going to suck. And then heaven, you know, um, yeah. 2012 come and the world, yeah. you know, I, I remember. Just, when, let's just phone it in and just get to the heaven part here. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, North Korea was threatening us back then, too. I thought, Lord, Lord, if Kim Jong-un could just shoot a rocket to my house, <laughs> oh, don't hurt no. anybody else, just my house. Oh, no. Because this new heavens and new earth thing sounds great. Let's get started. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I, God, I think, wanted to show me also that, no, he he's a good God here, not just there. That's right. You know, and. um so, I mean, there's so many different lessons, man, but yeah, God, God's amazing. And, um, you know, I know there, there's a lot of people probably listening even right now that you're walking through some really hard things and, you know, um, hang in there, you know, trust him, follow yeah. him, love him because he's not done with you yet. You know, I, I think that's something that really helped me is realizing, okay, if I'm still breathing, he's not done, you yeah. know, and, uh, there's, there's going to be a tomorrow and as hard as it is in the darkest nights, he's there and yeah. he wants us to draw closer to him, hear him and, and let him shape us through that. Yeah. I keep thinking of the parable that Jesus told about the kingdom of God being like, you know, buried treasure, you know, in a field, right. And a man discovered the buried treasure and went and sold everything he had to be able to buy that property, you know, and it just seems unavoidable in the world that we live in, that there are just, that if knowing God is the highest greatest value that we can have in life, it comes at a cost in this world. Like Mm -hmm. you can't have the depth of intimacy of a relationship with God and like all your comfort and all your luxury and all your selfishness and all your Netflix and all your, you know, me time, you know, 
you you can't have you can't have it both. Relationships naturally cost you, and sometimes in these really crazy, unique ways. It's just it's fascinating to me how I I think in my mind initially, you know, I want to pity you for everything your family went through, and I try to put my my myself in your shoes, going through a similar medical condition. We've never had anything that chronic or long lasting. Um. But I, I know what you're. I know what you're describing. I've been through dark nights of the soul, and it's like, oh my gosh, I. That's as close as I ever want to come to whatever that was. That darkness was. Mm -hmm. But you, there's just no other way to encounter the authenticity of God's voice and God's work in your life. It's almost as if you find Him in the pit. Yep. You can find Him anywhere, right? Yeah, and you know, and you know, I think also there's it helped us to experience the gospel because Jesus suffered. You know, right. and, and it wasn't and, an idea to him. It was a lifestyle that it, he lived. Right. And, yeah. and to, to think about his suffering, you know, I'd feel my suffering in the middle of the night and, and how hard that was. But then that it's nothing compared to, you know, the passion and, you know, the crucifixion and, you know, just realizing, well, that's how much he loved us, that he died for infirmities like this, yeah. you know, that, that this one day will be put to an end. Yeah. You know, the hard thing is we, we live in the, you know, the already but not yet you That's know right. we still live on this fallen world and we still live in these fallen broken bodies and we're going to experience pain um, but jesus suffered in much worse ways than 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 we did so that all this pain can be done away with one day yeah. and thankfully for for us it was done away with in three years um but for a lot of people you know we suffer a lot longer yeah. you know a lot of people suffer i mean thinking about what happens in the middle east and what people go through there or in, in, in other places in the world. But Jesus suffered so that we can have the hope of eternal life yeah. and that pain and death and disease ultimately will be put away with. Yeah. And um, but when we were suffering, I, I, you know, you hear that, you know, you study that. But when you're in pain, that becomes so much more real that thank you, God, that one day this is going to be over, yeah. you know, one I, way or another. I'm really curious because that is such a fine tension of... Yes, being thankful for some ultimate sense that God's going to bring healing and redemption out of it because of the resurrection, uh, for sure. But then the despair that, well, this life won't get yeah. any better. Yeah. And it seems like you, you can fall into that trap. And I don't know what it is about Northwest culture, but it seems like that's far more of what I come across as people that just kind of you know, maybe more or less just accept their lot in life yeah. or whatever they're going through mm -hmm. and just kind of just, this is just normal and this, it is what it is and yeah. it's always going to be. And, and they just kind of allow themselves to, you know, embrace it as if it's always and forever and despair in the sense that, you know, they give up any meaningful hope that God could actually do anything. I yeah. mean, the only hope that they have, if anything, you know, Christian base is, is heaven. Yeah. yeah. It's something Eternal after, life, yeah. yeah, after death. And I wrestled with that. And I, like I said, I, I, for, for a little while, I thought that I, I, I fell into that category. Um, and, and I think it's, it is the tension. It's a tension that you just kind of have to hold both at the same time. Because you don't know. I mean, we, we actually resigned the fact that maybe he's going to be a special needs child the rest of his life. My wife and I actually talked about that. Like, is he going to be living with us, you know, and we're going to have to care for him uh, for the rest of his life. And I, I kind of we kind of accepted that possibility, uh, even though we know the prophetic word said he'll you know get better. But in our minds, you know, you kind of wrap your mind around the worst case scenario sometimes. Sure. And um, and so I kind of gave up a little bit. 
but at the same time, no, God, you can do anything and you can heal him. And so I think it's this tension of believing God for the healing, physical, earthly, temporal, while at the same time keeping your eye yeah. on the eternal, that even if this doesn't happen, God, I know yeah. he's already healed in heaven and yeah. one day this will all end, right? you know? And so it's, it's holding both at the same time. Yeah. You know? Kind of like the Daniel sort of moment, right? When he's thrown in, like, I know my God can save me, but even, even if, he if he doesn't. That's right. That's right. That's a really tough, that's a painful tension to it hold on to. Really, God, it is. It's not easy. It really is. And it, I think that's where your faith is tested. You know, what are you living for? Just like you said, earthly comforts yeah. or the ultimate eternal comfort. Yeah. And I never, during that season, I really had to think a lot about eternal life because yeah. this life, you know, this life started to really suck. And so I wanted nothing to do with this life anymore. I wanted eternity. I wasn't going to kill myself, but it's just like I wanted yeah. that more. Just going to emotionally phone it in. So but there's speak. something yeah. about, I think, letting go of this world and grabbing on to the next that is so much more powerful than being married and, and fully invested in this world. You know, yeah. I, I mean, Jesus, you know, when when people the Bible, when people are suffering, one of the things Jesus said is, you know, I know it's hard right now, but I, I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. and, and he didn't say, hey, don't worry, guys, it'll get better. Because actually for a lot of them, it was going to get worse. Right. Yeah, way they, worse. They were going to be killed. Super way worse. Persecuted and all that. But the way he comforted his disciples even was, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be with me. There's many rooms. It's awesome, guys. You know, mm. so it's going to get bad. But right in Book of Revelation, when their church is being persecuted, what did John give them a vision of? Yep. Revelation 21. You know, it's so I think that's so important. And I think maybe in the West, we've lost that. You know, we only think about God blessing us in the here and now prosperity gospel and all that. And so God yeah, that's one side of the coin may for need sure. to, you know, help us reconnect with. Uh, what Jesus, you know, and Paul and John seem to show us about eternal life. But at the same time, we can swing far to the other end of the paradigm. Yeah, uh, plenty pe- of those pendulum, yeah, yeah, and say, no, it's, God doesn't do anything in the He doesn't do now. anything now. I'm just happy to go to heaven later. And which that's, I think that's all is, I can hope for from him. Which I think is shortchanging the gospel. It really is. Because I think God wants to do some stuff here and now, too. Yeah. Not just to make you comfortable and happy, but to be a testimony to the world. Because how do you tell people, you know, that... Yeah, your life's just going to suck forever, but then there's heaven. So give your life to Jesus. You know, it's yeah. like, wow, thanks a lot. You know, I think people need to see the visible manifestation yep. of God's love and power in your life, in your marriage, in your family. Yep. And it'll get their attention to the fact that, hey, yeah. there is a God in heaven who cares. That's right. It's a sign. It's I mean, that's what sign. the Bible calls them. They don't call them miracles. They call them signs. It's a sign. I mean, and it's pointing to something. And sometimes yeah. we get so caught up in the signs that we miss what the signs are pointing to. That's right. Just give me more signs, God. I need another sign. When in reality, the signs are supposed to point you to him. That's right. And we don't want him. We just want more signs. And I think that's where God goes, okay, hang on now. You're missing the point. Yeah. So I think God, uh, part, one of the things he allowed us to go through what we went through um, to get us to, to change our perspective a little bit, you know, or to, to, to expand our perspective, not just to the here and now, um, but really to, to, to what's coming, the eternal life, but not to divorce ourselves from the here and now, yeah. you know? Yeah. And one of the things I prayed during that season was God, God heal him because I want people to, I want people to see that you speak in the prophetic. Cause mm. I mean, our whole church knew about the prophetic word. Oh, I mean, it was public, wasn't oh it? Oh God, everyone knew about it. I mean, <laughs> everyone was praying for us, you know, I mean, I preached about it and Pastor Norman, I mean, yeah, people were talking about it, you know, and so I was yeah. like, okay, God, about 3000 people know that he's supposed to get healed when he turns six or Jim LaFoon's a false yeah. prophet. You know, I said, God, yeah. don't let that happen. Yeah. You know? And, and I said, it's your word. You spoke it. So Lord, you know, and, um, and he did. You yeah. know, and that became a powerful testimony to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, 
had had people had, had a guy come to church and I and I know him from high school and, he, and I asked him how'd you why'd you start coming to church? He said, man, I was following your journey on Facebook. I tried not to you know publicly spread it, but at one point I did ask people for prayer. And he said, I was following. I remember you. that you were pretty low at that point. I was, pretty and desperate. I had people telling me, why don't you ask people for prayer? <laughs> and I was being like, well, I don't want to bother people with my problems. And like you're just being. False yeah. humility yeah. there. That would, people want to pray for you. We call that pride. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, yeah. See, but I'm Asian, I so we know, don't want to bother other people with their yeah. with our problems. Yeah, you know? I don't know what pride is like. I'm sure it's really hard <laughs> for some people, but uh, anyway, I, this is what I hear about it anyway. Yeah, and so I was encouraged by a lot of people ask your you know friends you know social media to pray for you, and I finally did anyway, and it started a you know a little more public thing about it. But yeah, people came to faith. Um, through it, we're encouraged it's through incredible. it, and um, I mean, it makes it a little more worth it, you yeah. know. But yeah, so much, man. Yeah. yeah, what a journey! What a journey. Um, one thing I've really, really wondered about, you know, in this whole process, and you and I have talked about this some, but it's the you and I are both thinking oriented people, you know, we're into theology and, and thinking things. You're a through. lot smarter than me though. Well, I, just, I, I know how to I fake it. I know how to act a lot smarter. <laughs> um, but suffering, you know, inevitably brings up kind of the experiential challenges and difficulties, the emotional challenges and difficulties, but it also brings up really the theological, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and really kind of jumping through these hurdles of where is God in the midst of suffering? What's God's relationship to the suffering mm -hmm. in terms of causing it, allowing it, ordaining it, mm -hmm. uh, using it, um, like, is the devil involved? Is God involved? Wh whose will is involved here? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. there's just so many things that you you wrestle through. Yeah. And I'm really wondering, you know, on a theological level, what that journey was like for you. Mm -hmm. well, well, one of the things that really helped me, and this isn't because you're sitting in front of me, but was the, the story. Uh, you know, I had past, I have Seth come in and teach the story to our school. You know, he means almost, like the story day. of the scriptures, the story like, of God. Yeah, yeah. You know, I the teach thing Genesis to Revelation teach, yeah. in a few days. And, um, and uh, you know, you start with creation, God's good creation, His His plan for man, and it was good. It was very good, and and you see how God intended things to be, and that death and suffering wasn't a part of that initial creation, but rather was the result of the fall. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I realized that part or when that I internalized that part that I don't think God intended for my son to suffer the way that he was suffering. This is me. You know, this is, this is my perspective on it. Yeah. His suffering is the result of sin in mm -hmm. the world that Adam chose, Eve chose, I chose. Yeah, the world's you know, broken. The world is yeah. broken, you yeah. know, and uh, there's actually this one moment where uh, I was, I was, I was praying one of those, one of those late night moments and and I felt God say to me, you know, you see, this is why I want you to hate sin. This is why I want you to hate sin, because mm. sin does this. Yeah. And and I, I thought to myself, but did, what did I do personally that caused right. this? Right. You know, and, and, and I felt God say, no, you didn't do anything. Yeah. But sin. <laughs> sin is bigger than just an individual. It's not what you did. It's what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a like a cancer that can That's right. spread. And, and so when yeah. you make be, become a friend to sin, whether it's pornography, lust, anger, pride, you know, whatever Greed, it is, when yeah, you, you it. yeah, when you embrace yeah. that in your life, you are becoming a friend to what causes stuff like this. Yeah. That was, that was kind of powerful to me actually. 
And, um, and wow. I, I felt the Holy Spirit told me that. Like when, when, when you and anyone, when people embrace a sin, you know, cause I, I heard, had someone tell me one time, how can I hate sin when it feels so good? <laughs> you know, and I, that's I, a very honest quote. Yeah. He said, I, I, I know I'm supposed to hate this, but it, feels good. I can work with that. That's it, honesty. It if people could be that level of honest, <laughs> we could get man. places. I tell you, no, it was great. And, and, and I, and I, and going through what I went through helped me because I felt the Lord say that even the stuff that is not directly related to this, yeah, it's still sin and it causes pain and suffering and death just like this. And so hate it, hate all of it because it's somehow it's going to lead to death and yeah. suffering and pain. Um, and so re- re- realizing that it's the, the sin in the world that we've embraced, that it, we've inherited, that is just inherent in the world, mm-hmm. causes sin, causes, I mean, causes pain, causes suffering, and that God sent Jesus to redeem us from that. I mean, that, that's what theologically helped me to process, did God cause this? Did God, why did he allow it? Did he ordain it? I don't know. Yeah. You know, but I know God is a good God. He created it good. Creation was good. We sinned. We rebelled against him. And now we're suffering the consequences of that. But God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer for us so that we can escape sins. We can be redeemed from and freed from sin's effects here and more importantly in eternity. And just hanging my hat on that rather than trying to wrestle with, you know, when did he ordain the fall, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, what what I appreciate about this and largely out of our relationship together. I know everything you're saying is not coming out of a dismissive, like, ah, oh, you know, like right. you've really thought this through. So everything Billy's describing is, has been a deep, deep journey of digging into the scriptures and a lot of theology yeah. reading and investigation. And so this isn't just some frivolous, like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. It's really a mystery that you've really searched, you know? Yeah. I, uh, ironically, when I was going through this, I was working on a, a master's degree um, at Knox Theological Seminary in biblical and theological studies. And, and um, yeah, really wrestling with a lot of this stuff simultaneously. And, um, but you come to the conclusion that, you know, at, at the end of the day, we don't really know any of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, we're going to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure when we all stand before God in heaven, we'd be like, wow, we were all kind of wrong about yeah. some of this stuff. So, and then I realized too, man, theologians far smarter than me, people far smarter than me for the last 1500 years or trying to work this through. Yeah. So who the heck am I to think I'm going to figure this out, you know? Um, and so, but what I do know for sure, what is clear and explicit in the Bible are the things that I just said. And, um, and I think that's what God wants me at least. I can't speak for anybody else. Me at that moment at time to, to focus on, um, rather than trying to, figure out what God knew when he knew it, what he ordained and when he didn't, you know, when he ordained it. A good mentor of mine once said, don't decide on your theology in the middle of your pain. That's so good. And it's, it's one of those moments where you have to resist the urge to make conclusions that are going to be driven by pain and by fear Mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe short sight what you might be able to come to once you have a place of Slightly better objectivity. There's no perfect objectivity, obviously, but a little bit more rationality involved and more perspective certainly involved. 
Um, and that's just really good advice. And it also alleviates the pressure to, because th I think a lot of times for me personally, I think if I can understand it, then it will help me control it. It'll help me feel better about it, you know, um, rather than me needing to understand it as my mechanism of control mm. uh, and really trusting in my understanding is trusting in God in these moments. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's so much more vital, no matter where you actually land on a theological sure. spectrum of these issues or what your theodicy actually comes out looking like. You always have to trust God, not your theological framework. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty important distinctive. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And because it's true. I mean, when you're going through some stuff, I mean, we are emotional creatures. We yeah. can't separate that. And I think sometimes we think that we can be objective apart from our emotions. Um, but the reality is it's so intertwined. Yeah. And, um, yeah, trying to think rationally about something when you're, when you're suffering and you're in pain, you, you kind of don't, you know? Um, but more importantly, you know, I, I think looking at, um, just the whole idea of, I mean, I do believe that God allowed it. I don't think it, it was, I don't think God he was up in heaven. Did. Yeah. I don't think he's up in heaven wringing his hands. Oh my God, what am I going to do about Billy's situation? And, oh, you know, <laughs> I don't, and I don't think he's not in control at all. Um, but I think to figure out, to try to put God in a box is to, you know, when did he know? What did he know? When right. did he ordain? What, you know, it's just, I think that that puts us in a presumptive position with the scripture. Sure. sure. Um, so but what's so fascinating about your story, though, is you talk about having this really incredible and powerful into moment with God, but it was not a moment where he was clarifying and defining your systematic theology. <laughs> He was relationally drawing near yeah. to you. And I'm not trying to throw systematic theology under the bus. No. I mean, you and I both love it, appreciate it. And I actually think you should develop convictions and thoughts around these things. Yes. And I think it's too easy just to dismiss them as mystery. Mm -hmm. You should investigate them. These, these things actually do matter. Um, but I, I think we just have to acknowledge that God's agenda is not always our agenda. What's on his priority list of what he wants to talk about or what he's wanting to do in a moment may not always be ours. So what we think will help us in a moment may not actually help us. It's God actually meeting you in your heart level and working right. you through all that stuff that he did. I think he's far more interested in dealing with our holiness and our sin and our relationship with us than he is about helping us to develop a propositional theology that makes you know sense in the moment. You know, I think he's far more interested in growing us into Christ-like you know, yeah. uh, characteristics and, and, and being more Christ-like than he is in helping us to develop a yeah. systematic theology. And yeah, and in, all, in all those moments when I prayed and calling out to him, God, what do you want to teach me today? It was always about me and my sin and my pride and life. And, yeah. you know, it was yeah. it. All and, things that are drawing you closer relationally to him. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I think if you talk to people who knew me before and know me now, they would say I'm probably more Christ, hopefully I'm more Christ-like now. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ask my wife. No, but, you know, when you go through stuff like that, I mean, I definitely know there at least empathy is deeper in me. Uh, yeah. A lot of different things. Yeah, and no doubt. I'm just like, wow, God, you know, you, you taught me so much through that. And none of that had to do with um, figuring out some of the, you know, the, the more implicit, yeah. you know, theological conundrums. You know, yeah. it was just God dealing with me, my sin. And yeah. It was powerful. You yeah. Know? Well, I, uh, I really want to thank you, Billy, for suffering so well, for being so faithful in that, for allowing your story to be shared the way that it is. There's so many micro and macro decisions you can make in a journey like that that completely come out with a very different conclusion 
that have mm-hmm. that have could have shaped your life in radically different ways that it did, could have defined you in that moment in different ways that it did, and really could have even taken the reputation of God and really distorted it mm. in all kinds of ways. And uh, I think it that would have been easy to do. Mm. And I, I think that happens a lot. So I want to thank you for your courage and faithfulness in that process. Um, and I'm grateful that, uh, that you walk through it and I get to observe it. I know we'll all have our own crosses to carry, though, and burdens to bear. But I'm just really thankful for you and, and thankful for 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 the work that you're doing and making this story known the way that you are um, and that you're living out this story continually. I think it's really good news, not only just for Hawaii and your context where you're at, but I, I know it's, I know it's affecting places like everywhere that you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate our friendship. So yeah, this is a good time. <laughs> Billy, we got to have you back, bud. You know, um, I'll be sleeping in the same room with you for the next three or four days. So that's going to sound a little awkward, man. Yeah. On the radio. Separate beds. Separate beds. For sure. Separate beds. We're just splitting the cost. We're just frugal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, But yeah, we're going to be in school together for the next few years, it looks like. So we're going to have a chance to process all kinds of fun things together. And so you are, you know, Lord's will going to hear Billy's, uh, Billy, Billy's voice here on this podcast in the coming years or a few different times. And we should get into some pretty fun topics together. I apologize in advance. Apologize. In advance. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's me. It's, I'm <laughs> back. Sorry. It's me again. All right. Billy, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, and uh, it's time to go to bed, man. Let's do it. All right. Good night. All right.